are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome into the Batflip Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm here with uh, Damian today. And uh, I hope everyone's had a great week. How are you doing, Damian? I am doing all right. We got some some blockbuster moves happening this week, and uh, you know a little bit of sadness going on in the baseball world. But other than that, I mean, the off season it, it, this week was a little encouraging because it's a week that uh, we actually had some some major moves happening. Yeah, for sure. It's been a very interesting week. A lot of big big time moves. Um, but first, uh, we can talk about something tragic that happened this week as um, former Dodgers manager and uh, Major League Baseball 1997 Hall of Fame inductee uh, Tommy Lasorda, the manager, passed away. Um, he was 22nd all time in wins, a two time World Series champion. Um, a two-time manager of the year and uh what he says was his best accomplishment uh the 2000 uh manager of the olympic gold medal team in sydney so um you know our condolences to tommy lasorda's family and to all the dodger fans and i'll let you uh since you're the big dodger fan here damien i'll let you talk about him for just a minute yeah i mean in not only in in dodger baseball but in in the you know baseball world tommy lasorda is, is well known um you know he's a guy who is probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet. I mean, I know me and my dad went to a fan fest. I want to say it was like 2017-ish. Uh, it was right before the Astros World Series thing, so yeah, 2017. And on his way up to the stage, Tommy was sort of stopped and was saying hi to all the fans he could right there, you know, just – just and I'm having conversations with them. Um, and he got up there, and he gave this speech that to this day, still thinking about it, gives me chills. Um and, you know, you just hear the stories, the resounding stories from not only Dodger players, but just players around the league about how, you know, they could have one five-minute conversation with Tommy and he'll remember every aspect about it and, and always address you and remember those the next time you guys are having a conversation. Um, so it's a, it's a very sad thing. And, you know, it's going to be sad not seeing him at the ballpark next to the Dodger Stadium, dugout, or the Dodger dugout, I should say, and, you know, taking a nap in the fifth inning, saying that the game's boring. Uh but you could you could count on that. I mean, he was there at, at a certain time every day, and then you know he would take a little nap during the game. But I mean, he was always there, and he was always a character uh, around the Dodger Stadium. You know, you could always always see, and, and players would always have some story about him that day, yelling at him and, and saying something from the on deck circle. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. I've you know I really hated to see that, and obviously Tommy Lasorda was just a great ambassador for the game, and you know he's made his mark on uh on major league baseball and you know he'll always be remembered for it so um you know it's it's definitely sad to see him go but you know at this point we can celebrate you know how great of a life he lived and how great of a you know ambassador for the sport that he was with the dodgers absolutely so all right well uh now we can uh we can move on to uh some stuff that's not quite as sad for us um as we'll look at um a giant trade this week happened in major league baseball um, as Francisco Lindor, the shortstop for the Indians. And we've talked about it a million times that he was on the trade block and has been for a while. He was traded along with Carlos Carrasco, who is a interesting uh, addition to the deal to the New York Mets for uh, infielder Andres Jimenez uh, infielder or shortstop Ahmed Rosario uh, right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf and outfielder Isaiah Green. So, uh, Damian, uh, what you think about the guys the Mets got? Yeah, you know the Mets. I mean, they they got their their guy. You know, they got their Mookie Betts per se here. And uh, Francisco Lindor, we expected him to be traded a lot, and the rumors were all around. You know, was it going to be the was it going to be the Mets? Was it going to be the Yankees? Was it going to be the Dodgers? You know, Francisco Lindor is in line for a huge, huge payday. I mean, he is a free agent after this season, so it's sort of like the Mookie Betts thing where you know you're trading him with one year of control. You're not sure if you're going to sign an extension, but I mean, with what we talked about with Steve Cohen getting this team, um, I mean, they said that they expect to start talking a contract with Lindor in the next couple weeks. Um, and Lindor said he wants that ironed out before spring training ever comes. So that that's going to be an interesting thing, you know. Lindor, best shortstop in baseball. He's a fantastic player, um, you know, good on base, great defensively. Um, he doesn't strike out too terribly much, walks a decent amount. 
you know, there's not much to say. I mean, he's just an overall great player. Uh, you know, always known for his bright smile. And so being in New York and not with the Yankees, um, it's a good little addition for that Mets team, you know, kind of trying to push the Yankees for the team in New York. You know, the, the Yankees will always have the history, but the Mets are trying to make a little run at, a, you know, being the best team and the more noticeable team right now at least. But, uh, you know, Carrasco being in, in this deal is a little interesting, though. You know, not only because of what Cookie has meant to that Cleveland organization, you know, going through his cancer battle and everything, um, but it's kind of it kind of seems like it hurt the Indians' return a little bit, you know, maybe getting off the salary. You know, Carrasco's still a, a fantastic pitcher his own his own right. You know, he had 2.91 ERA this year, 3.59 FIP. Um, you know, 10, almost 11 strikeouts per nine. He had a high walk for nine this year, so he lost a little bit of control, but uh. You know, overall, he I mean, he's going to be a nice fit into that rotation, a number two, number three-ish. And you know, we've talked about the Mets probably looking for or being in on Trevor Bauer or whatever. Maybe this is another alternative that lets them use that money for, you know, maybe a George Springer type. Yeah, this is an interesting, uh, interesting deal. And uh, the return that the uh, Indians got, as you mentioned, um, you know, you would think that a Lindor return would be better, but with that money involvement with Carrasco being added in there, it probably lessened it a little bit, but they still did get some, get some good pieces. Um, Andres Jimenez is a very young guy. He was a rookie this year, 22 year old shortstop. He's uh, slotting in right now as Cleveland's number two prospect. And he's going to, he's the number 92 overall. So he's in the top 100 on the fringe. This is according to fan graphs. Um, the uh, in 2020, he, he showed some uh, showed some potential. Uh, put up a 263 average, 333 slugging, 398. Uh, I mean 333 on base, 398 slugging. Um, you know the power is not really there. Uh, just three home runs. He played in 45 games. He was kind of a utility infielder, bench guy. Um, he put up a, almost a full win above replacement. Um, he needs to work on his approach a pretty good bit. Uh, he he had a sub six percent walk rate in above double a i mean above single a uh so in 2019 and double a and then the big leagues this year um but you know future looking at what he could end up being above average defense uh good base runner you know a pretty good um you know he can spray the ball around the field a little bit pretty good contact hitter especially if his uh strikeout rate comes down some uh, but he does have limited power he probably won't ever hit more than 15 home runs in a season but uh, you know, if he can work on his approach a little bit, that's that's just fine. Uh, Amid Rosario, twenty-five-year-old uh, shortstop, he's probably the headliner in the deal. He, either him or Jimenez. Um, he is a former top-five prospect overall in the big leagues back when when he broke in with the Mets. Uh, struggled a little bit for his first couple of years. Uh, back, finally, in 2019, he, he had a, especially in the second half, had a little bit of a breakout, put up uh, almost three wins above replacement, uh, 287 average, 323 on base, 432 slugging, hit 15 home runs. Um, and in 2020, though, it was a, it was a struggle. And one thing to, to look at with him always is going to be his plate discipline. In 2020, it took a it was really not good. He only had a 2.7% walk rate and a 23% strikeout rate. His numbers, I mean, only a 272 on base, uh, 371 slugging. He took a big step back in 2020. So, um, you know, I'm not super surprised to see the Mets move on here. Although Rosario obviously has some kind of talent. Um, and then the other two guys are, are low minors guys. Um, Josh Wolf is a uh, right-handed pitcher. He was a second round pick in 2019. Um, he's, uh, uh, he's only 20 years old. He's, he's got a pretty good frame, six, three, one seventy. He's kind of skinny right now, but, um, he's got some, uh, he's got some pieces. He's got a, a nice fastball, uh, you know, mid sits mid to upper nineties, good, you know, good slider curveball projections. Um, his command needs to get a little bit better. Um, he, he's going to slot in as the number 25 prospect in Cleveland, but he, he projects probably as a reliever, but you know, if he changes up his delivery a little bit, like the Indians have been really good at doing with some guys in the past. He could be your next, uh, you know, young Indians pitcher that, you know, they figure out how to develop and, and turn out to be really good. He's got a pretty good upside. He, he could end up starting at some point. And then uh, Isaiah Green is the last guy in the deal. Um, he was a 2020 um, compensation pick for the Mets. Um an outfielder um he, he got the compensation pick was for zach wheeler uh signing with the phillies um he's a guy who you know is a toolsy guy he has power speed combo um 
you know, reports say, you know, fan graphs were saying that he needs a swing change really bad. Um, that his swing is a little bit long and, uh, he's going to have contact issues unless he changes that swing up and that, um, he needs some seasoning in the outfield as well. And that maybe, uh, you know, just some experience out there, you know, work on his arm a little bit. So, um, you know, four pieces that could end up eventually contributing for the Indians. They definitely went with some quantity here, but, um, you know, for this trade, I think, um, you know, I think the Mets got a, had it made a pretty good deal here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really good deal for the Mets. Um, you know, obviously you're getting Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and those guys are going to help you win right now. And Lindor being so young is going to help you for, you know, the next 10 years, uh, at least. And if you, if you resign him though, cause, cause yeah, if the Mets, that's going to, what, that's what this deal is going to depend on. I think I, I expect that Steve Cohen's going to, to resign Lindor. I mean, I don't think you do this trade unless you are, are hell bent on resigning him. Just like kind of the Dodgers were with Mookie Betts when right. they traded him. Um, you know, and, and the Mets really don't have any big contracts on the books. I mean, yeah, you have Jacob DeGrom, but I mean, he's what, 32, 33 almost as well. So, I mean, he's not going to be. He's going to have a high AAV contract, but it's not going to be for many years. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you're going to have to pay Conforto coming up in a year or two. But, I mean, what what really big contract do you have on the books right now? I mean, if four years for McCann, but you just got off Cespedes. I, I mean, to me, it just – Fred Skolendor is, is going to be a New York man. I mean, I, I don't see any yeah. circumstance that Steve Cohen lets him walk out of the, uh, out of the door. You know? Um, and for the Indians, it's – I mean, they did something that we all expected, and they had pretty much said that Francisco Lindor was going to be traded this offseason because um, he was a free agent at, you know, after the season. So you, you had to get this done now because if you waited until the trade deadline, you wouldn't even got this package. So for, for them being handicapped in that scenario you know, and, and getting off that cookie uh, contract, you know, if they're trying to save $12 million a year, which, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's a big deal to them, but... I mean, I think they got a decent return. I'm not a big Rosario fan. You know, he hasn't really proven much, but he does have talent there. You know, if, if he can make it click, that's the whole part. Um, Jimenez, I mean, he's he's really nice. I I, I think he's going to be a very solid, you know, a solid major league player. That you know, like you said, he's not going to hit much power, but a guy who can spray the ball all over the park, and you know, teams can always use that. Uh, you know, and then two lottery ticket types and Josh Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. I mean, it's all the deal all around in my eyes. Yeah, and like you said, I, I agree with you 100% that I think, you know, both teams got some pieces here, and you know, and like I say, I think I think it's I think the deal for the Mets is going to depend on re-signing Lindor, but um, I do think it's a salary dump for the for the Indians a little bit too, because I don't understand, you know, Carrasco's salary is not that big too, and it, it's kind of weird, but you know, obviously he's got the unfortunately has the health issues in the past, and um, you know they might be a little worried about that. He's also 33 years old. So he's getting on up there for a pitcher um, and, and a guy who's had Tommy John in his past. So, you know, I, I, I like the deal for both sides. I think for the Mets, you know, you could see a, a scenario where Lindor ends up not resigning and Carrasco ends up not really being effective because of his age and, you know, his history of injury and, and, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, medical concerns. So, um, you could see it end up, end up turning out bad for the Mets, but, um, you know, obviously I, I, I'm not sold on any of the guys that Cleveland got back a hundred percent. I think Jimenez is probably the best chance to be a long-term solid big leaguer. And I mean, you never know with those other two guys It's you know, they could end up figuring it out or not. And Cleveland's really good at developing players. So I think, uh, yeah. you know, you have to come back and definitely after this year before we see exactly who wins in this deal and in you know in the future um you know we're gonna have to look out for uh those two prospects for the indians because like i say anytime the indians get some guy some guy who's you know got a pretty good frame and has a uh hot good fastball and you know some projection on his other pitches you you're scared for it because he's gonna end up being good <laughs> Absolutely. So. Well, uh, the next little piece of news, it's in the Indians division, um, and that's the, the Chicago White Sox went out there and they signed, you know, best free agent reliever on the market, Liam Hendricks uh, from the Oakland A's. They signed him to a three-year, $54 million, op- $54 million deal with a club option 
Um, the club option is really weird because it's for 15 million, but the buyout is also 15 million. So the the deal can turn into a four year for 54 million. But no matter what, Liam Hendricks is getting 54 million if it's for three years or four years. It really doesn't matter. So like me and Matt were talking about it, unless they're just trying to dump salary at the end of that and they don't want it to count against their number, I mean, you expect them to pick that option up because that 15 million would would stay on their that you know that third year's money books and not the not their fourth year. Uh, you know, he's going to be 32 in February, but this contract for him just set the highest annual average value for a relief pitcher of all time. Um, you know. He, was, he started his career as a starter, um, and then he, he transitioned to the bullpen really full-time in 2015. Um, and then when he got to the athletics in 2016, he, he really took you know kind of another level, um, you know, start picked up a, basically a strikeout per nine, and then the past two years, in 2019-2020. It's ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous years. His strikeout rate jumped to you know 13%. His walk rate dropped um, you know in 2019 to 2%. And then this year to one, like one walk per nine is absolutely ridiculous. You know, only only allowed a, a 2.55 batting average on balls in play, like a, f- a ERA of 178 and a fielding independent pitching of a 114. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. And in 25 innings, he put up a win, a 1.4 WAR. Like holy cow. Yeah, yeah, Hendricks is. It, that's a great. He's a great pitcher right now, and um, I think the reason that obviously it's the reason he got the big contract. I mean, that's like you said that passed Wade Davis, Davis when he signed a three-year, fifty-two million dollar deal for the Rockies um, a few years ago. But as you saw with that Wade Davis deal, he was an elite reliever. That obviously it is that was Colorado, but still, um, you know that contract didn't pan out. Relievers are very fickle, um, and there's a lot of uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty around relief pitchers. So, uh, but there's no argument to Hendricks last two years. And I think he's going to continue to be good. Uh, but this is an interesting deal. And I, I do think that that club option being that way probably has to do with the luxury tax yeah. um, because they're going to have some players here coming up fairly soon that they're going to want to either resign or, um, you know, and they're probably going to have a, a luxury tax situation. So if, they don't want Hendricks back after that third year, then they can go ahead and put that $15 million in three years um, rather than pay it up and pay it over that fourth year. It's That's definitely a luxury tax thing, but uh, this is a good deal. Like I say, I, I think, you know, Hendricks is getting his payday that he de- definitely deserves. And that 2020 season, I'm telling you, he only pitched in, you know, what, 25 innings, but mm-hmm. That's like a 2017 Kenley Jansen, 2017 Craig Kimbrell level season. A 1.14 FIP, 13.14 strikeouts per nine, 1.07 walks per nine. That's just absolutely insane. And also 2019, he put up almost four wins above replacement, which is one of the highest I've ever seen from a relief pitcher, uh, at least in the, you know, in recent years. Um, You know, back in the day, relief pitchers used to throw a lot more innings and that number would be higher. But uh, since, you know, that's 80 innings, I believe. So uh, that's an insane number. So uh, good for Hendricks. And even in that 2019 season, he wasn't the closer and he still saved 25 games. Yeah. I mean, like they had Blake Trinan, who we talked about last last episode. He was the closer at that point. I mean, he had a fantastic 2018. And then Hendricks in 2019 just basically took the role over. I mean, halfway through the season or something, still saved 25 games and put up that. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a good move. And obviously the White Sox needed it badly to replace Alex Colome, um, who is who in the free agency. So um, we did have another, what's up? You signed Colome. Who knows? I mean, I know you've seen, yeah. seen maybe they, they don't, but. I well, mean, they, they might. It's, but you know, at the worst, I mean, it replaces him. At the best, it just adds to a, you know a good reliever. Yeah, so we talked a lot about the White Sox this year. Yeah. And them taking that next step, but this is this is kind of one of those moves where they're they're saying, okay, we're ready. Yeah. Because you, know, you don't give a contract out like this if you're not ready. You know, the Yasmani Grandal contract they gave out before that, they they kind of had to do some that to get something, you know, to kind of kick that off, but. This is this is the contract that says like, hey, we're going for it now. Like, yeah. We're here. 
Yeah, so, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the Braves signing Will Smith last off season. Absolutely. So. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see the White Sox, you know, maybe jump in the Trevor Bauer market, maybe jump into a high end starting pitching market. I mean, we'll see. who knows? We'll see. You never know. No, uh, so. yeah. Our, our next guy we had sign um, was Kyle Schwarber, uh, who we've talked about was, was non tendered by the Cubs. Uh, he signed a one year, $7 million deal with the Nationals, um, which has a 2022 option. Um, that has a three million buyout, so he's guaranteed ten million dollars for this season, um, or he'll get eleven million dollars that next year. Yes, uh, Kyle Schwarber is a uh, guy who has had a interesting career for sure, up and down, a little inconsistent. Twenty twenty was probably his worst season in his career. He hit uh, one eighty eight with a three oh eight on base, which is a terrible, uh, and a three ninety three slugging, which is pretty easily the worst that he's had uh, only a 90 WRC plus. This is a guy who in his career is a 113 WRC plus um, 2018, 2019 though um, he combined for 5.8 wins above replacement. So an average of almost three per season, which is a pretty solid regular um, in his career. Um, he's a 230 hitter with a 336 own base and a 480 slugging. Uh, he's got 121 career home runs and 9.5 wins above replacement. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, you talk about Kyle Schorber, you think big power, big strikeout, big walk. He, he's he got a 13% career walk rate, 28% career strikeout rate. Um, obviously, those 121 home runs, a 480 career slugging percentage, you know, high, high power. Um, he's a guy who is – showed sometimes that he can actually not be that bad in the outfield, but in other times he's not the best out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in, in Washington. I think this is a little bit weird for Washington because Juan Soto is a left fielder all the way. There's no way Juan Soto can play right field or center field unless you just want to tank your defense because he's not a very good defender. As good as Juan Soto is with the bat, which he's outstanding He's not a great defender. So if we don't have the DH this coming season, which it looks like we won't, where's Schwarber going to play? Is he going to play first? You know, no, is Juan Soto going to play first? Is no, they're, they've, they're, they've said the plan is for Soto to play right field and Schwarber to play no, left. That, yeah. So, I mean, if that's the plan, you know, I, I don't know. You know. Soto will have to make a lot of improvements in the field for that to be something worth doing. But we'll see. Um you know, I would not move my cornerstone player off his position to um, even if it is just one corner to another to compensate a or to put a guy like Schorber in the lineup, you know, but, you know, we'll see if it works out. It it, it may. So um, I, I, would, I was scratching my head on on Schwarber being the pick anyways. Um, you know, I was thinking more of a right handed bat. Yeah, if they needed, um, you know, because right now, I mean, you're going to have. You have Trey Turner, who's probably setting your leadoff spot because you don't have another guy who can do that. I right. mean, I would expect Robles to do that. So then, at that point, your three-four-five or your two-three-four right now is looking like Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and Kyle Schwarber. Like, yeah, you have no other righties in that. You need another like, right-handed, yeah. another right-handed uh, bat. So, like Victor Robles, you know, Kyle or Starling Castro. You know, uh, those names Kurt don't Suzuki. like those, yeah. those names, those names right don't, they don't, they don't give me any fear with the, with the bat. Exactly. I mean, there's a, a couple good defenders in there, but they're not, you know, right. That, so yeah. they, their name, you know, they have Carter Keeboom supposed to start at third right now, but they're named to maybe watch out for, you know, you've heard them in Chris Bryant trade rumors. You've heard them in Eugenio Suarez trade rumors. You've heard about, you know, possibly Justin Turner, um, I mean, you've heard them in that right-handed pitching or the right-handed hitting market, um, but it's going to have to be somebody who plays the infield now because you you have no outfield spots left. Right. So it it, it Schwarber was a, was an odd pick to me. You know, obviously he could have a bounce back year, and and you, you know, you just got a fantastic pickup for seven million dollars. I mean, saying that he got seven million dollars when I think his you know, he was supposed to make eight or nine through non-tender through arbitration this year. It's a little head scratching, you know. Yeah. Well, it's ten. I mean, because of well, the opt out. So. Yeah. So I mean, that the Cubs didn't even try and trade that. Yeah. You know, it's just 
It Schwarber to the Nationals was a weird pick. I mean, I love the player. I just don't like the fit with this team. Yeah. I agree 100%. I, I think Schwarber's a, a better player than he gets credit for a lot of times, but um, I just don't know. I just don't know about this move. And, and like, you know, for the Nationals, you know, I, I guess there's not a huge amount of risk here because worst case scenario, you're paying him $10 million just for one year. But, um, you know, you're getting to a situation where you got a lot of holes to fill in that Nationals lineup and, and they're starting rotation soon, you know, depending on health of their pitchers, which has been – very inconsistent last couple of years, a couple aging pitchers in there. And then you throw in the fact that uh, their bullpen's pretty consistently below average the last few years, even in their World Series run. Um, you know, uh, you're looking at a team that, you know, it just feels like, it feels like Schwarber's the type of guy they could have added, or, or, you know, not necessarily Schwarber himself, but, you know, a similar type of player, somebody they might want to have wanted to add last year or, the year of their World Series run or, you know, a year or two before that. And I th- feel like this year is just kind of – I don't know. I, I don't think this is going to make them any more of a contender than they already are. I mean, I, which is if they if everything goes right for them, they could – with their talent and their pitching rotation, they could maybe still contend, you know, if, if they're fully healthy all year and stuff. But I just don't see it. Yeah, so, maybe, um, if they, maybe if they do make a big trade for a right-handed bat or sign a right-handed bat, you know, like like to play that third base position, maybe you talk about them about you know potentially being in a wild card. Yeah, race. you could you could add them to a wild wild card conversation at that point. But right now, I mean, I mean that and at least is a beast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not they're not going to be even if they add a Chris Bryant or something. I don't think they're going to no. be better than the Braves or, or no, the Mets. My, my, my so. point isn't NL East. I'm saying like to win that. I'm saying they're going to have to face those teams. Right. a lot more and, and trying to win those games, you know, where if you're going to have like the Padres and Dodgers, right. you're talking about here facing the Giants, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have the Dodgers Padres and they're going to have the Braves Mets or, or yeah. so the losers of those divisions, if everything exactly. goes kind of as planned, the losers of those divisions are going to be the wild card teams. The winners of those divisions are going to be obviously the division winner. So, exactly. you know, it's going to be really hard for, for me to see a third, another wild card team come out of the national league other than I think that the real race is going to be in the NL central to see who makes the playoffs. Cause I feel like the, the two NL East teams and the two NL West teams are going to be the, the teams to, you know, that they're, they're kind of, I mean, I won't call them locks cause you never know what might happen in baseball, but you know, assuming that they're healthy and they perform as they have, you know, the players perform as they have, then they would probably be the pl- four of the six playoff teams. So, well, yeah, and and we're talking not expanded wild card right now. Oh, we're absolutely, yeah, playoff, because that that is not confirmed yet if that will happen or not. Most likely yeah. not. Yeah, but, that's you know, this Nationals team isn't basically a team. Where, it, it, they shouldn't be completing for a playoff spot unless they are like exceeding expectations by a huge amount. Right. Like, exactly. You know, so maybe the Schwarber thing is more of a sign-in for this, and then you can trade him off, and maybe a contending team is looking for that. At, you know, at the deadline, you know, he's a guy who might be able to fit that—a lefty bat, and p- potentially a platoon bat at some point. You know, and not yeah. for that much, he's not going to cost that much. You know, maybe eleven million dollars. It's not going to be bad. And yeah, and enter that this year, and then eleven million the next yeah. year. And if you're not in a pandemic-filled year, I mean, that's just standard. Yeah, and to oh. that point, and to that point, Schwarber is definitely a platoon candidate. So, you know, maybe a team that has a good, you know, left fielder uh, that's struggling against left-handed pitching or something, or I mean, uh, against right-handed pitching. You know, maybe you throw mm-hmm. a, maybe you throw Schwarber in there. So, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on now. We'll, we're going to have our NL West preview. It's going to be a little bit abbreviated compared to our other previews because, well, for one thing, we've talked so much about these teams already uh, yeah. in the NL West, um, and also, uh, you know, we we've got a you know a, we don't have a ton of time today, but uh, with all these moves going on, but we'll start off and uh, I'll go ahead and you know kind of talk about them for a second and let Damian elaborate on these guys but uh the dodgers were the obviously the world series champions they were also the division winners in the west last year um they finished with a 43 and 17 record um and uh this is a team that they lost some pieces off that world series team but not a ton um justin turner has been a a, you know a cornerstone for them for several years um they lose him obviously he's up there in age too though so you know maybe you know he's not the 
biggest loss they could have possibly had off this team. I mean, he wasn't one of their top two players or anything. Um, they lose Alex Wood, who has been oft injured, but you know, has been a pretty decent swing guy when he's pitched. Um, they lost Kike Hernandez, who's been a really nice platoon player for them, a good and a fantastic, perfect utility bench guy uh, in the big leagues. Jock Peterson, who's been a great platoon outfielder for them the last couple years. Uh, Pedro Baez, a uh, solid reliever for them for most of his career. He wasn't great this past year, but he's typically been pretty good. And uh, Jake McGee, who was kind of one of their lefty specialists they had. So um, they're uh, bringing back in their core. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the best cores out there. Bellinger, Seager, Betts, Walker Bueller, Kershaw. You can even add uh, Will Smith to that. Uh, maybe AJ Pollock and, and can't forget Max Muncy, who's been so good the last couple of years. So, Damien, what do you think they need to add? Uh, well, they need to add Justin Turner back. That, that's first and foremost. Um, you know, not only has he been, like you said, a, a cornerstone you know player for them. I mean, he's their franchise leader in many postseason categories. Um, and you know, but, he, but he's also you know a clubhouse leader. He he's that team is so. Like, I'm fumbling on words because of how mad I'm are that they haven't re-signed him yet. But <laughs> he is, I mean, he's not only is he a fan favorite, but the way that all those players on this club look up to him. I mean, even Mookie Betts, you would think that he would be the leader, or Kershaw even. And really, Justin Turner is that guy. I mean, he is one of the few player reps um, in the major leagues, and that he's on this team. You know, there's... People will look at that bad because of the whole way that the World Series with the COVID test and all that looked out. But, I mean, this guy means so much to the team and all the players, let alone, you know, a fan favorite and, and still a fantastic player. I mean, he is 34 and he wants a four-year deal. Um, you know, their Dodgers want to go two. So it just seems like a likely thing to, to settle at three, three years. Um, you know, I would love for them to bring back Kike Hernandez, too. He's, he's a... a a personality that's the best way to put it if you guys do not know who Kike Hernandez is uh just go look at his Instagram and you'll you'll see about the 10 different sides of Kike Hernandez that there is because that guy does not have any sad part in his body I, I can promise you that um you know like you said one of the best cores around Bellinger, Seeger, Betts, Bueller, Kershaw, Muncie, Smith, Pollock I mean it doesn't get much better than that um you know, if they can use that righty bat slash third base, you know, i.e. Justin Turner, if they don't get him, they've been rumored in on DJ LeMahieu, on it, uh, Chris Bryant, even looking at it, Eugenio Suarez as well, kind of the same people we were talking about with the Nats. Um, they could use a lefty reliever, you know, really losing Jake McGee. Urias kind of cemented himself as, as one of the, the cornerstones in that rotation now. Um, you know, and Scott Alexander, Adam Kalerik really doesn't, do it you know and really can Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin take that next step um into that you know they were they were good good major league pitchers but can they turn into you know very good major league pitchers right now um you know Josiah Gray he's he's a prospect that the Dodgers have that he might get his shot this year and, and see he he's shot up boards ever since he got into their um farm system so you know not many pieces that a World Series team needs to really upgrade in or anything but just some, some solid things bring back your own guys you know maybe add a little bit of bullpen and get your pitching a little bit better um you know which you could say it's a you know something they added because they didn't have it at all last year is david price um you know it seems like he's gonna come back this season after opting out this last year he just posted a video today saying better than i've ever felt before throwing a bullpen um, so, you know, that's a that's a need or a, an add, I should say, to this team that, that they didn't even have last year that was already under contract for them. Yeah, um, the Dodgers have some – they do have some needs, and I agree with you. Um, obviously, they're going to figure out third base, whether they bring back Justin Turner or, or sign somebody else. They'll, they'll have that figured out. Um, you know, left-handed reliever, they'll get that figured out, I'm sure. I think the big thing is going to be that pitching development and, and the pitching and the depth in their rotation because you look at you, – you've got two guys right now who are, uh, you know, just real established big league starters, uh, Bueller and Kershaw. And obviously, Urias pitched pretty well in the, in the, uh, in the uh, postseason. 
Um, but he was kind of a swing guy for them. He, he pitched a lot of the bullpen in the past few years. He's pitched some in the rotation. He's been a little inconsistent. He looked good this past year. Um, you know, they're going to need him to keep working on that starting, you know, maybe start pitching a few more innings. Um, they're going to, um, they're, they're going to want to have, you're, you're definitely going to want to see the biggest thing. I think is you're going to want to see Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, you know, continue their development because Kershaw is, I think, I think he's still very good. Um, he was obviously great in 2020, but you, you're still kind of waiting to see, you know, is he, how long he's going to continue to be really good. Cause he has had some of those back problems and uh, he's been a little less dominantly consistently dominant in the, in the last few years as he was, you know, for most of his career so far. So um, I do think you're going to want to start to see a, a Dustin May or a Tony Gonsolin or, you know, like you say, the, the minor league of Josiah Gray, or even, you know, Urias become, you know, start to really cement themselves um, in that rotation. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one other thing that the Dodgers need to work on, and, and I don't think it's a huge deal because I think they got a lot of pieces there, but, you know, what are they going to do at the back end of their bullpen? Is Kenley Jansen still going to be their guy? Or is it going to be Trinan? Or is it going to be Bruce Ader Gratterall? Or, uh, you know, who's it going to be at the back end of their pen? So, uh, you know, obviously the Dodgers defending World Series champions are a great team, but they it, it isn't without any question marks. There's a few things that they need to, you know, they're going to need to iron out before the season, but they'll still be a definitely a uh, contender this coming up year. Um, so the team that finished second, though, is the team the Dodgers are going to have to look out for big time to hold off. That's the San Diego Padres. They lost to the Dodgers in the wild card round. Um, so, Damian, what, what are they looking like? You know, losing who are they lost, what their core needs, what, who, who are they, what they looking like next year. Yeah, you know, they lost a, a big piece for them has been Kirby Yates. He didn't really play much for them last year, but he's been one of the best closers in baseball for the past, you know, two years before this season. Um, Mitch Moreland, who's, you know, kind of was a, a bench bat that they had who kind of started off and on at first base sometimes, especially when they had the DH. He was a guy who really started for them there. Um, Trevor Rosenthal, um, you know, Garrett Richards, who were – Two guys who pitched out of the bullpen, really. I mean, Richards started some, um, but was really a, a swing guy. Uh, Drickson Profar, who, you know, they've kind of replaced him now with Ha-Sung Kim as the starting second baseman. You know, they th- honestly, this core rivals the Dodgers' core. You know, um, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Denelson Lamette, Tommy Pham, Yu Darvish, Blake Snell, you know, Ha-Sung Kim they just added, um, J- Jake Cronenworth even. You know, is, is added to that core. Their needs really, I mean, on the offensive side, I mean, just maybe some bench bats, maybe. I mean, there's not much they need on the offensive side of the ball. It's just going to be how well do they all gel together. And, and really, their bullpen. Um, their bullpen is their biggest need right now. I, this is going to be their Achilles heel. They don't have many good pieces down there. I mean, you have Emilio Pagan, who was okay. You have Drew Prom- Pomerantz, who was very good last year. Um, you know, Matt Strom is okay, but you know, Tim, Timmy Hill, Craig Stammen, I mean, those, those guys aren't guys you want pitching for you in meaningful innings in October or even in a stretch run. Uh, and then some starting pitching depth. I mean, we've talked about, you know, having you Darvish, Blake Snell, Denelson Lamette, Chris Paddock, but you know, they're losing, they lost Clevenger. He's not going to be there this year. You know, is Joey Lucchesi going to be your number five? And if that is, you know, Who's going to be your next guy up? When is Mackenzie Gore going to come up? You know, who else is going to be in the starting rotation if you have a guy go down or, or multiple guys go down? You know, we've talked about Darvish having his health issues. Janelson Lamet wasn't always healthy. Chris Paddock hasn't looked good um, this past year or so. So, so where are you going to go with that rotation-wise? You know, starting pitching and bullpen. Yeah, I agree. And and the more that I look at this team, the more I'm worried about their pitching. And not because I don't think they've got the talent, because I think their one, two, three punch right now is possibly, you know, it's up there with among the best in the National League. But I am worried about Darvish staying healthy at 34 years old. I am worried about Blake Snell staying healthy because he missed most of 29, or uh, not most of, but a portion of 2019 with injury or 28, it was 2019. 
Donnell Salamet missed the playoffs. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit worried about his health. And, you know, is he going to be as good? Because he was fantastic last year in the shortened season. But he didn't have quite as long a tra- of a track record as these other guys. Um, you know, is is Chris Paddock going to develop? I mean, he, he showed in the first half of 2019 that he had the chance to be special. But ever since then, he has been a home run given up machine. So uh, I'm a little worried about this rotation just because I, I think the names are there and I think they got a chance to be really good. Obviously they're missing Clevenger, which hurts because, uh, but I think they got the potential to be very good, but um, I think health is going to be an issue. Obviously in their lineup, Tatis and Machado are as good of a one, two in, in a lineup as you, you see out there. Um, and then you've got, you know, Tommy Pham, uh, Trent Grisham had a breakout year. Austin Nola is a very good catcher. Uh, Jake Cronenworth had a solid rookie year. Um, you know, what are you going to get out of ha Sung Kim? And uh, are you going to have a good year from Eric Hosmer and Will Myers or a bad year from Eric Hosmer and Will Myers? Because I think both of those guys are going to have a big, a big effect on this season for them. So the Padres, if all goes right for them, you know, I think they've got a higher ceiling even than the Dodgers if all goes right for them. But I think there's a lot more things in there that could go wrong for them than there are for the Dodgers. So this is going to be a very interesting division, in my opinion. And I think these are going to be the two teams to battle it out in the in the NLS for sure. Um, definitely oh, yeah. the two most talented teams out there. And, you know, you, you talk about them easily being, you know, the obviously being two of the top four National League teams and probably being, you know, two of the top three right now if you look at just true talent. So, um, yeah, both I think, of these um, teams should not have an issue making the playoffs, especially right. playing in this division against these three other teams that we're that we're getting ready to talk about. Just they 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 are not good. Yeah. And and you know playing the, each of those teams eighteen times a year, um, if you don't win yeah. at least ten of those games, then you know maybe you don't deserve it. But I, I think they should easily be able to to win. You know, beat these teams very handily. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the first of these three teams that we're going to talk about um, is the San Francisco Giants, who <laughs> finished <laughs> who finished 29 and 31, um, narrowly missed the playoffs. They actually I believe they tied with the Brewers, right? And the Brewers finished 29 and 31 and the Brewers had the tiebreaker. The I think it was the Reds. Weren't the Reds the last? I think the Reds were. I think the Red. No, the Reds were the number two wild card. They they played played the Braves. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Reds were, or the Brewers were, twenty nine and thirty one. So the Giants lost on a tiebreaker, Um, and the players they lost were, you know, some pieces that that they relied upon. Um, Drew Smiley's probably the best player they lost. Um, He signed with the Braves early in the off season, but he had a very good year last year. Uh, coming back off of some injury issues. Um, they also lost Tyler Anderson, um, Jeff Samarja, which, you know, contract really helped. That really helps the contract um, <laughs> situation. Um, Tre- Trevor Cahill, who's been a consistently mediocre big leaguer, but a big leaguer nonetheless for a long time. He's an experienced guy. Tony Watson, who at times pitched really well out of their bullpen. Um and then Chadwick Trump, who, you know, has showed some flashes last year. Um, Daniel Robertson, and uh, they lost uh, to retirement Hunter Pence, who that's not a very big loss for them for his current talent. But, you know, that's a piece that has been around baseball for a long time, so it's worth mentioning. Yeah, um, and clubhouse guy and fan favorite. Oh, as well. ab- absolutely. So um, their core though, they, they've got, they've got a lot more talent than I realized they had in their lineup. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski has been very, very, very good. And last year had his real breakout year. Brandon belt showed last year that he's still a solid first baseman and he put up a great year. Um, they still have Buster Posey. You know, I don't know what they're going to get out of Buster Posey, but he opted out last year to play. Um, but he's a, another one of those leaders and, you know, he can always have a solid he's, – he's not going to be terrible regardless. Um, and then you've got uh, Evan Longoria, who's, you know, he's all right still at third base. Uh, Brandon Crawford actually was pretty good this year at, at the plate, uh, surprisingly. Um, Wilmer Flores is a solid player. He's back this year. Johnny Cueto, 
pretty good. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, pretty good. Joey Bart is a piece that's coming back for them. Uh, he'll be pos- probably start off in the minors to start the season with Posey coming back, but he's a guy who they will rely on in the future as a top five overall prospect in baseball. And then uh, Kevin Gossman on that qualifying offer that he signed, um, you know, had a big time uh, bounce back year last year. So uh, there's some pieces here for the Giants, more so than the other teams at the bottom of the division here. Yeah, you know, they were they've been a team that they could be they they held on a little bit too long in their window um you know with the belt with the posey with the crawford longoria i mean even when they had bad bum this team really needs the to to start the rebuild get these bigger contracts off the books like a johnny cueto you know evan longoria just push those off and just start that rebuild you know farhan zaidi you can't blame him when he first got there. You know, he had the Will Smith, and he didn't trade him because they were doing so good at the time. Um, probably should have traded him and got something for him. But it, it's a team that they, you know, they were very successful for a decade, and and they just they were trying to hold on to that and, and you know run it back with their players again and and have one more shot at it, and it just didn't seem like it's going to work out. Um, you know, especially now with with the the Padres jumping the, jumping ahead of them, I think we can say pretty easily in this division. Yeah, I think it's time for the Giants to you know just hit the reset button and and figure it out. A lot of these guys only have one or two years left on their contracts, so maybe let them play out through this season, let those guys go, and try and trade the other ones. Um, but I think I think Longoria is signed for like another three years or something. So. You know, he, they got to try and figure that out. I mean, if you're talking about what this team needs to, to be better in 2021, you know, possibly a lefty starter. All their starters right now are lined up to be right-handers, so they could use that. I mean, you can use an outfielder to maybe, you know, they've been playing Alex Dickerson around in the outfield. Hunter Pence was still playing in the outfield. You know, they've tried Mauricio Dubon in center. Um, sometimes Mike Yastrzemski has been in center. You just don't know. Um, so maybe you can use an outfielder. And just bullpen. I mean, we're going to say bullpen for every team pretty much, but this is a team who really, they are very, very depleted down in that bullpen. Yeah, and, and to your point about the Giants and holding on to their guys too long, I, I really, I know, I would have said that when, when it happened last year, or, or 2019 when it, when it happened. Um, I would have said they held on to their guys too long. But one thing that I've kind of, I've kind of changed my stance on that and maybe the Royals three or four years ago when they held on to their guys, uh, when it looked like they probably should trade them because I watched a few weeks, a couple weeks ago in the last NFL game and Damien knows what I'm about to talk about. The, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles quite obviously tank in their last game of the season, completely intentionally pull all their players. Cause the game was close, make bizarre fourth down, attempts and passing up field goals that would have tied the game and so they were obviously tanking to get the higher draft pick and and you know it's kind of a little bit like throwing away a team like the Giants or the or the Royals a few years ago that they're not going to make it I mean the Giants in 2019 were not going to make the playoffs even though they won a few games in a row and walk-offs and stuff you know the Royals a few years ago around 500 at the deadline with that with their last year, their core, they weren't going to make the playoffs, but you know, you, you think maybe, you know, you want to hold on to them, but that's a good way to lose a, an organization and lose confidence in guys. And when teams look at the giants, they're looking at a team now who, you know, they're still trying to, you know, they try, tried to go for it still. I mean, they're looking, they're, they're going to be very well respected within by the players that, that the front office is supporting their team in the big league field. And, you know, that's something that I think we lose sight of a little bit in these trades because um, the Giants, you know, year before last, they, you know, I think a lot of players are very willing to go there to restart a, you know, a, a, a new fa- a new wave of Giants. Um, because a couple years ago they held on to guys and they wanted, they still went for it in a year where they probably weren't going to make it. I think that does help them a little bit in free agency. And just in the fact that 
players want to go there because they know they'll be supported by the by the front office it's different some places like you you go look at the indians right now and i mean the indians were really good this year they made the playoffs they had two of the best players in baseball and they're trading everybody away who's gonna want to go play there now i mean that's one of those things where um you know i think that hurts a team a team's uh a team's reputation a lot more than people kind of expect even though the the smart thing when it comes to math and numbers and stats and everything is to go get those extra prospects trade those guys or or get that draft pick sometimes that at the long run that reputation is could be rough so just the point just the one thing to throw out there when it comes to the giants and obviously i don't think that has quite as much on them this year because they're quite obviously in rebuild slash retool mode right now but um that's just something to maybe look at in their future I mean, maybe, but in baseball, this is a particularly well-known thing. I mean, what the Eagles did that is that oh yeah doesn't happen. In yeah, the well, it's, it's not a it's not a perfect comparison, but I think but, sometimes reputation-wise, you know, then, it can that, be. Maybe if it's reputation, but I mean, you look at it, and this is a widely ex- accepted concept around the game, and you know, they had just got new management, they had got this, and and. They're facing the consequences now. I mean, if you you didn't trade those guys and now you have a really weak farm system and you still have all these high contracts, nobody's gonna want to come sign here right now because this team's not able to compete for a win. And you have you've set you've hurt your franchise for the next five to six years while you're trying to rebuild that farm system back up and you're gonna have to try and go out to the free agency market and pay guys to come in and do that. Like I, I just don't you you know the Royals are going through it right now as well. Yeah, I mean, look well, how bad they are. They're they're yeah. still going through a full rebuild, and the the Giants haven't even even accepted that fact yet. Right. Like, well, the so, Giants they they should do it in the off season. Is kind of my point. When when you go into the middle of the season and your team is in that you know last wild card spot or you know right at five hundred and just a couple games back sometimes tanking the season at that point makes it, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm of the belief that if you're probably not going to win in baseball before the season, you should trade your, you should trade, you know, veteran pieces and try to rebuild, you know, like, like, and that's what the giants are in right now. But I'm, I'm just kind of talking about at that trade deadline, if you are in it, it, you know, it's hard for a lot of time, a lot of times for, your reputation if you start just trading all your players away if you're the number six well if you're the number two wild card team or something that that can be even if you your talent's probably not good enough to make it I, I think that's kind of my point it's not necessarily the fact that rebuilding is bad because obviously rebuilding is how you turn franchises around these days i mean you saw the cubs do it back when they won their first world title in 100 years you saw the braves do it a couple years ago but they've been really good you know you've seen the you've seen the padres and the white Sox right now start to turn the corner and become really good teams those are all results of rebuild astros even even if they might have cheated they did it through a rebuild i mean these are that's that's kind of that, that's definitely the wave of how to do things but at the same time you know sometimes if you are in it Maybe they should have traded those players before the season. It's kind of my point. So, but I definitely am in the. I mean, if you can trade any of these guys, I think most of them are untradeable now. Though we talk about their salary relief needed, Cueto. I mean, I well, don't that, think can... that's that's sort of yeah. my point. Is they've held on too long to where these guys aren't tradable right. anymore. Like at that point, you're you're saying let's go for right now. Let's see if we can get a wild card berth. But were they realistically going to win a World Series? No. And well, no. Then, because you took that wild card shot, you just set your franchise back many, many. Right, years. but but you you're no talking. Well, There's I was gonna no say, but you should have done it before the season. No, because before the season, you were still thinking you had the shot, and then you get no. there, and you're at the point, and you're like, oh well, now look, like we're a decent team, but we're not good enough to do anything. I don't oh, think they really. I, I don't like, think they I, really had a shot before the season, but. At the World it, Series, I mean, at a wild card spot, maybe sure, but you know, it was Farhan Zaidi's first year in there. He's yeah. not going to come in there and, and uh, in the off season just trade everybody away. Yeah. Like that's that's one way to lose a team is go in there and yeah. do that. So he gave him half a year, and then yeah. I, I mean, I just yeah, I, well, I don't think it's a good move for them at yeah. all. But we've spent way too much time on the Giants, right? Like, yeah, like, for sure, because <laughs> they're not very they're not. So, I mean, they're in, they're in purgatory right now. I think it's the best way to put it. Uh, but oh, the next right. two, uh, the next okay, two teams here. Uh, to the Colorado Rockies, 
who yeah. they finished 26 and 34 <laughs> uh, this year, um, well out of out of a playoff spot. Um, you know, and they, then they non-tender guys like David Dahl. Um, you know, they're going to lose Matt Kemp, who is my favorite player uh, from the Dodgers, Dodger legend. Uh, Daniel Murphy, they lost, who was a you know big free agency signing for them at the time, but kind of forced. You know, kind of was terrible this year. <laughs> well, not just this year, but he's forced yeah. to miss a lot of time with injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Parr, who was decent for them. Um, Tony Walters was a catcher that they DFA'd as well. Um, you know, they, they're they in the, the situation where we were just talking about with the Giants. They're in a team that they need to make the decision, like, yesterday. Um, you know, they have a core of Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman. Those are three really good Major League, you know, players. Blackman is a good Major League hitter, not so much defender. Um, you know, they have a solid one, two, three in their rotation. John Gray, Herman Marquez, Antonio Senzatella. Some decent prospects with Brent Rogers, Garrett Hampson, and Ryan McMahon was a was a top prospect at the time. He hasn't really panned out yet, um, but there's still a lot of hope for him. But this is a team who Nolan Arenado has an opt out after this season, and they've shown no willingness to win uh, or or to try to win, and so he's most likely going to take that opt out. So you have to trade him before you lose all leverage and get nothing back for him. Trevor Story, your second-best player, is also a free agent after this season. Like, you are a team that's not going to win right now. You need to make the decision to trade them and get something back and help your farm system and, and start that retooling process and not be like the Giants and hold on to where you're not going to get anything for these guys. Yeah. I, I'm 100% of the belief that they should trade Trevor Story um, and Arenado if they can. The only problem with Arenado is that whatever the Rockies get back, I don't think they're going to like the return quite as much as they could uh, because Arenado's got such a huge money deal. I mean, even if he does, I mean, if he opts out at the end of this year, then that's fine, but that also means he's a rental. So he's either going to be a rental or you're going to be stuck with a gigantic contract. So I think is going to be very difficult to trade. Um, not saying it can't be done and not saying they shouldn't try it, but they, cause they definitely need to try it, but it's, he's going to be tough to trade. And, uh, Trevor story, um, though, I mean, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. I honestly think Trevor story has turned into, he might be almost as good of a baseball player as Nolan Arenado at this point. They're both, I mean, not, not, and that's no, that's no negative toward Arenado. Cause I think, right. I just think Trevor story is really good. But, uh, but you know, like you say, they, they need to develop, you know, a couple of these young guys. I think uh, Brendan Rodgers probably has the highest ceiling out of them. Um, you know, maybe you can get something for Charlie Blackman as well if he has a hot start this year. Um, you know, you got John Gray. Um, he's been rumored to be on the trade block forever, but you just don't know what he is is he a colorado is it a colorado problem there or is he a guy who just doesn't mesh well because he's had at times had really good um you know really good uh fielding independent stats and you know peripherals and his strikeout walk rates have been good but this past year he took a step back um so it's, it's hard to tell marquez i think they should trade because i think he's one of the best pitchers in baseball if he gets on a team that's not the rockies um, but um, Sensatella has, has some value now. They got some guys they could maybe get value for. I just don't see it. The Rockies have put up too many bad contracts over the past several years and have stuck their foot in the ground on too many players that probably shouldn't have been. Um, probably they sh- shouldn't have done that with. I, I think the big one that people remember is Ian Desmond. He he had, wasn't there this past year, but still, that's a guy who you know, was a bad signing when he was signed and it got even worse. So uh, I think you worry about um, that. And, and for the most part, that's just how the Rockies have been for a while. You know, I think they need to double down on some of their, um, they need to work on their, uh, their ability to, uh, you know, identify talent and, you know, bring in the right guys because sometimes they've been really reckless and put themselves in tough spots money wise. But um a team that um, next that has not quite not quite in the same situation as the Giants or Rockies. I think the D-backs are in pretty good uh, 
rebuild mode right now. Although they do have some pieces that they could still move. Um, but they're, uh, they finished last this past year um, in the division, in the NL West. Um, they are, weren't 25 and 35. Uh, it's a tough, tough season. Um, they lose uh, Junior Guerra, um, John Jay, Mike Leak. Um, they lose uh, Hector Rondone, the relief pitcher. Uh, Jake Lamb, actually, they lost during the season, as well as Robbie Ray. But I went ahead and put those guys on their lost list because they had been there, you know, as cornerstones for a while. Um, their core, uh, they got some good pieces there. Um, uh, David Peralta is a very good piece. MLB The Show legend. Um, a uh, solid left fielder or out, outfielder in general. Um, good left-handed power bat. Um, Nick Ahmed's a, a pretty solid infielder. Uh, put up a good season this year. Uh, Cole Calhoun um, actually was their leader in wins above replacement this year. He was very good this year. Christian Walker's a pretty good bat that's been playing a lot of first base. He's a solid, solid player. Um, maybe somebody to, you know, could help them out in the future. Um, obviously, last year they signed a big contract to Madison Bumgarner, which was, uh, I would have told you at the time, probably not the best decision, but it got even worse <laughs> with his performance and injury issues. But they have a couple of uh, pretty good pitchers, um, Zach Gallen and, uh, you know, Luke Weaver, who, who had a bad, bad year this past year, but has shown some talent in the past, as well as Merrill Kelly, who actually was pretty good this past year, even though maybe he doesn't have quite the talent. So, um, you know, in my opinion, they need just to add in the offense. They need to add a third baseman. They lost Eduardo Escobar. Uh, I believe they non-tendered him, right? Um, Did they? Or maybe they didn't lose him. I, I'm not sure, but he, either way, he really struggled this year. So, um, you know, I think they could probably add at third base, also losing Jake Lamb, who had played third base and first base for them at times. And they could use an outfielder. They traded Sterling Marte last year to the Marlins, so they could definitely use an outfielder. Um, I mean, their bullpen, they could add to, they could add rotation depth. If they went for it this year, they'd need a little bit of everything. But I think the big thing, um, they need to keep working on their farm system. I mean, you got a couple pieces in Peralta and Ahmed, maybe Cole Calhoun that you could probably trade. And uh, get back some uh, some solid um, solid farm pieces they've got. I believe on MLB Pipeline they had four top 100 prospects right now, but their system isn't super deep. Um, you know they need to just keep working on that because they have a good start and they you know need to keep working on making it better. Um, you know because I think that's probably where the D backs are going to have to go to to become a get back to where they were a few years ago is go through f rebuilding via the farm system. So uh, I don't know if they're going to be the type of team that can go out and sign a bunch of big-name free agents. They can sign a couple. We've done it in the past. They signed Bumgarner last year. They signed Granke several years ago. Um, they've been able to make a big splash in free agency, but I definitely think that they're a team that's going to need to go go the farm system and trade and draft route for their rebuild. So, um, But there's some there's some optimism there for their future, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, they have solid pieces in the rotation, like you said. Zach Gallen and Luke Weaver are, are very, very good pitchers in my eyes. Bumgarner, you know, he's probably not what he used to be, but I, I think he could still be a major league pitcher. I think he had a worse year than what he really still is. Um, you know, and when they traded that, when they traded Paul Goldschmidt, they got Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver. You didn't really do much to help your farm system, like you said. They got major league pieces. Kelly was technically a prospect at the time, but he came in and was immediately their starting catcher. Um, you know, so so it's going to be a thing where you have to trade your your guys that are, are cornerstones for you, like your David Peralta. Maybe I mean depends on on where your timeline is. Maybe you think about moving Cattell Marte. I mean, I wouldn't right now, but you know maybe down the line in a year or two, maybe that's something you do do. Uh, if you know, if you don't think that your timeline is going to fit up with him being successful or having to re-sign him, um, still. So, like you said, they're going to have to do it through draft. They're going to have to do it through, you know, trades. But they don't have much to trade either. And, and the pieces that they do have to trade, you're not going to trade. You know, a Christian Walker, Carson Kelly, Zach Gallen. You're going to have to trade. You know, decent guys. It would have to be probably Peralta, Ahmed, Calhoun. Yeah, and guy. how much? How much is Ahmed? I mean, really going to get you? I mean, he's really good defensively, and he has he's 
really started coming around offensively, but we've talked about the shortstop class the next year coming up. Um, you know, and, and where does Ahmed really fit? I mean, he's he, obviously he's nowhere near that category. Yeah. But but still, he's going to be below those guys. And oh, then, sure. And then you look out to the market right now, and you have Marcus Simeon, D.D. Gregorius, you have Andrelton Simmons, you have guys like that who you're probably going to take all of those guys ahead of Nick Ahmed as well. So now you're talking about a, a you know, an MLB average player with that, you know, for that position wise. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to get for that. Yeah, I think if you look at Nick Ahmed, you're looking at a guy who's probably somebody who would fetch a lottery ticket type young pitcher or something in, in return. I don't think he's. I mean, and but but on a discount note, you know, you could probably get him for not having to give up give up a ton. He doesn't have a big contract or anything, and the D-backs right. could at least get a piece. Peralta and Calhoun, I think, are the more intriguing ones because Calhoun was really good last year. Peralta has, you know, had a good uh, last several years. So, you know, you could probably get a couple of pretty good-looking prospects for those guys. So um, maybe not something like on the, you know, return that Lindor got or something like that, something crazy. But, I mean, you know, you, you might be able to fetch a top 100 for, for Peralta. And for Calhoun, you know, maybe a top 10 in somebody's system, you know, in an average – farm system right. so right so but then like that that proves the point is what's that really going to do for to your farm system or for your major league yeah. team you're getting these guys who are going to be you know yeah you're not going to be your stars they're going to be probably okay major leaguers if major leaguers at all so you yeah know, they're going to really have to to up their you know draft and development side of their you know their team and their, their farm system so yeah can, of course finishing yeah. last will do that so <laughs> exactly so we've uh, we've rambled way too long and, and and stuff about this stuff already. So we will wrap this episode up and catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody.